0: Welcome to Sprott Money's The Scoop with Cam Hisari. Welcome to another edition of Sprott Money's The Scoop. I'm Cam Hisari, and this month's guest is Ron Paul, the doctor, former congressman, founder of the Ron Paul Institute, and host of The Liberty Report. Thanks for joining me today, Ron. Good to be with you. Before we begin, I want to thank all our listeners for sending in their questions. As always, I'll try to get through as many of them as I can, and remember, if you have a question for one of our special guests, you can send them to submissions at Lastly, if you enjoy today's podcast, please like, share, and subscribe to the channel you're listening to. Ron, it's been over 50 years since President Richard Nixon closed the gold window, effectively turning the dollar fully into a fiat currency. What effect did it have on the dollar's value and the average American standard of living?
1: Well, had a lot of effect on the dollar. The dollar went down uh, sharply, and if you measured in terms of gold, uh, at that time theoretically the gold uh, exchange rate with the dollar was thirty-five dollars an ounce. At least they were trying to honor that, but everybody knew it was going to fail. So that's the reason gold window got closed. But within a short period of time, of uh, probably let's see, eight nine years. Gold went up to over $800. That's a tremendous increase in this ratio. And so the dollar was devalued tremendously eventually. And even now we measure that uh, the dollar lost probably 97, 98% of its value in terms of gold and that pushes prices up. It disturbs the economy and it was devastating. The 70s were a very, very bad period of time. It was so devastating that I was so upset about the whole thing when I heard Nixon's speech. It motivated me to speak out, and that's how I got involved in politics.
0: While we're talking about former U.S. presidents, what did Ronald Reagan tell you about gold?
1: His statement to me, which was uh, something I remembered very clearly, he says that uh, he was aware of the fact that any great country that ever went off the gold standard would no longer remain great. And, uh, he might have nailed it, depends on how you measure greatness, when it looks to what's happening to us now as an economic, uh, power and a political power, uh, that is being diminished, and it's going to get a lot worse, and it's related, but not, not the next day. It takes a while for these events to pan out. So I thought at that time that Reagan, uh, knew what he was talking about.
0: Ron, U.S. non-farm payrolls unexpectedly plunged in August as the U.S. economy only added 235,000 jobs. The forecast was for around 733,000 jobs, the unemployment rate came in at 5.2%, and the total payrolls is about 5.3 million below pre-COVID levels. With unemployment higher than normal and inflation on a six-month basis higher than it's been since 1983, is it fair to say that stagflation's here?
1: Oh, I think so. I think it's been around, and uh, they try to hide from that because you can't believe the statistics. Uh, the fact that nobody believes much of what the government tells us what's going on, whether it's monetary policy or COVID, uh, I, I think it's good that people are questioning what they hear. So uh, yes, they would deny it, but uh, I think John Williams, who writes uh uh, you know, economics in the real sense, and not by what uh, the government statistics show, says that we're at a much higher rate. You know, for inflation, ask a housewife; it's it's much higher. It's not one, two, three, four percent, and it might be six or eight. Depends on really where you live, uh, how old you are, and and what your living patterns are like. So, uh, but I do definitely think the economy is weakening. And, uh, and it's totally bizarre because we've lost completely the information that we need from, uh, free market interest rates. So we have people, uh, out, uh, not working. They're not out of work. There's places where they need to work. Uh, and they won't take the jobs. So that's grossly distorted. And this, this is something that, uh, uh represents, uh, you know, a weakening economy. So I think that when you pass out money to the tune of tens of billions of dollars, and uh, it's it sort of is saying, if uh, Bernanke said, if need be, we'll drop it out of helicopters, and they are essentially doing that. Well, if you're on the receiving end of that, and it tides you over, uh, but it doesn't go into investment it doesn't restore you know the uh market rate of interest. It's not going to do any good on the long run but on the short run you know it it looks pretty good so uh but it is inflationary there's no doubt about it and the the, the uh statistics uh will uh be uh be be canned they'll be controlled uh at the same time- at the same time uh there's some things you get. You don't even pay anything for it because we're still living off past wealth. We're consuming the wealth. I think the economy in the country is getting uh, poorer all the time and the inflation is going up. And the problems that we face uh, are very, very much involved with uh, the uh, the currency. At the same time, the whole system of, uh, of freedom for the individual has been diminished, and all of that has added up, to I think, to uh, us living in very dangerous times.
0: Ron, the 1970s stagflation was defeated by Paul Volcker by raising rates to around 20% in the early 80s to fight inflation. Given the sovereign debt, corporate debt, and consumer debt levels, is that a viable option today?
1: I I would consider it zero. Uh, All they need to do is, uh, because I I work, or think, under the assumption that we're at negative interest rates, because, uh, you know, they're very, very low. But uh, since the price inflation is much higher than they say, and even if you take their numbers, uh, it's, it's negative rates. They say, "Oh no, it's not quite negative because we're maintaining it where it is." No, it's really, really negative. And uh, so, no, and, and they can't—they can't even stand it. What if they said, "Well, you know, uh, maybe if we had the market deciding, this interest rate would be seven and a half percent, which is possible, or even higher." So. But they would never let that happen. If they went to say, well, no, we're going to let... The, if they announce tomorrow that uh, all overnight rates, all the rates that they deal with, uh, we're going to move them up to 2%, uh, that it would be... It could not be accepted by the marketplace. The, the stocks would, uh, the, the stocks would uh, just disintegrate, and the people who put the most pressure on the Fed uh, would yell and scream. So they're going to go all the way until they totally destroy the value of the dollar where people will have to do something like rushing out of the dollar and it into goods and services. I do believe that will happen.
0: Ron, how long do you think markets will believe the Fed's transitory inflation narrative? And what effect do you think it'll have on the U.S. dollar and the price of gold when the truth comes out?
1: Well, there's no way to know when people panic and decide that there's a better way. I mean, the information is there. People should be, you know, very cautious and accept the fact that that's going to happen. But, uh, it's usually the end is not by statistically adding up, uh, how much debt there is and what people are doing. Uh, otherwise, if you would look at this, these are astronomical numbers that we're dealing with. It doesn't even deserve to be used right now, but there's still trust. Trust is a subjective factor. As long as there's that subjective support, and when you look at what's going on around the world, you know, uh, but a lot of people thought when Bretton Woods would break down, uh, you know, it would be the end of the dollar. No, uh, tremendous trust in the dollar. Even today, it can Considering it, but uh, no, no, it it will it will end. But whether it's going to happen in a month or two years from now, nobody knows. The one, the one thing is, is uh, it, it won't be an event that is precisely predictable. You can't say, well, at this rate, and look at a chart and see uh, that spending is going up at this rate, and the purchasing of this debt is such a, at this point, they're going to quit doing it and confidence will be lost. You can't do it. Uh, it could occur tomorrow, it could occur, uh, you know, years off, I suspect it's still a couple years off, but eventually it will accelerate, and when it goes, and when it finally goes, uh, that's it. It's something that can't can't control, people can't, you can't put on wage and price control or something like that, or you can't give somebody, somebody can't give a speech, uh, a president or the Federal Reserve Board chairman giving a speech to calm the markets. No, it will be overwhelming, and uh, then we will be forced into monetary reform.
0: That's a valid point. Ron, a lot of the problems we have today are a direct result of the central bank's policies. Do you believe America would be better off ending the Fed?
1: Sure, absolutely. The sooner the better. We lived a good many years, up to 1913, without a Federal Reserve, even though there were three attempts before that, but they were—they always failed. Now, I'm... Uh, um, the time I spent in Congress, I spent a lot of time in audit to promote a bill to audit the Fed, believing that if the people ever knew how corrupt the system was and how how they pander to special interests and bail out the powerful interests and why the Federal Reserve is the redistributor of wealth from the middle class to the wealthy, uh, people would get rid of it. So I was always for the audit for that purpose. But no, we should get rid of the Fed. And uh, there's still some loud chance that... Uh, started with my campaigning uh, for the presidency. That uh, when I go to meetings, uh, usually I'm met with a cheer and a fist. So that, that that gives me encouragement. But uh, I, I think that, especially after this calamity becomes very apparent, you know, of the collapse of this system, people might uh, might do what they did with John Law. They ran him out on a rail, you know, when they realized what his inflation was all about.
0: Ron, many of the so-called smart money are very bullish on commodities and very bearish on the U.S. dollar. This includes Ray Dalio, Stanley Druckenmiller, John Paulson, Jeffrey Gunlock, Michael Burry, and Goldman Sachs, to name a few. In fact, Michael Burry has been talking about hyperinflation coming to the U.S. Do you believe we'll see hyperinflation in the U.S.?
1: Sure, I do. And I think there are probably... Some areas of the economy that that has happened. I'm, I mean, you see bits and pieces coming, like, uh, there was rapid inflation of the price of lumber, you know, and, and, and then it backs off and all. But when the whole, if the whole, if that is at the end stages, uh, and everything goes up practically. It, it, it doesn't mean everything always will go up in price, but, uh, I, with your basic statement there of those individuals, you'd think they'd have influence on the Fed. Uh, you'd think they would—they would get a little bit of attention from our money managers because I believe what they say.
0: Ron, what percent of one's net worth do you think one should put in gold and silver as an asset diversifier and insurance?
1: <laughs> I, you know, as a libertarian, I say whatever they want, <laughs> whatever they can afford. How how, how scared are you? And. Uh, No, I would, I would think just common sense would say that, uh, you you know, I lean toward having as much as you can because, uh, it's difficult to handle Federal Reserve notes and find decent investments that, uh, you know, are are guaranteed to work as well. No, I, I think uh, if I had to pick up pick out a round number, I wouldn't, you know, if you said, uh, if if I took the position or somebody takes the position, well, I want you to have 90% of everything you have in gold and silver, something like that. I said, well, you know, that sounds like a little hefty. But I would never say to you, if you say, well, you know, Ron, I think I'm going to have 10% of all my wealth in gold and silver. Uh, I wouldn't say, holy man, why are you doing that? Why don't you put it into the stock market? Why don't you put it into crypto? Why don't you do this? You know, uh, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say was 10% sounds pretty reasonable to me. And uh, if you're really scared,
0: more. Okay, Ron, time for some viewer submitted questions in 2011 you made a prediction on the house floor that if the u.s didn't leave afghanistan it would be there for another 10 years your prediction came true and the video went viral the war in afghanistan cost america over two trillion dollars do you believe america is any safer
1: no it made us uh, less safe and all our adventurism over overseas uh, has been that way uh and I would probably just say, especially since World War II, uh that, uh that those were special circumstances but from then on uh sacrificing the constitution going to war without a constitutional declaration of war uh pretending that we are on the moral side of going to every place I just think we went into korea it was that was a that was a war that i well remember because a school teacher was uh, redrafted from high school and went over there and got killed in korea and uh uh, it, uh, it makes no sense whatsoever. We spent all that money. We d- undermine our Constitution. We're doing it with a pretense that we're on the moral side uh, of doing this. And then subsequently, you know, we had Vietnam. I was drafted during the Vietnam period. And look at uh, and I was, uh, I was growing very annoyed by that, and that motivated me. One of the reasons why it motivated me to go to run for Congress and, uh, and then tried my very best to call attention and that's why those speeches are, are there about, uh, you know, if we don't change our mind, we're, we're going to be there, you know, we've been there 10, we'll be there another 10. And that was just a sort of a spontaneous uh, reaction uh, to, to it, uh, to the situation. But no, we're poorer and less free. And I think we're much poorer and much less free because we decided the domestic enemy is uh, a virus. And, uh, and there's a gross distortion of what's really going on there, and yet the people, uh, have followed the line of thinking of, uh, Dr. Fauci, and he's, the, he's their hero, and, uh, whether it's the domestic war against COVID or the international wars against imagined enemies, uh, you know, one of the things about 9 11 and why we went into bombing Iraq was because of, uh, 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 Saddam Hussein participated in 9 11, which was completely fabricated. So, uh, I I think that's where we have a real starvation now in our government is finding people will tell us the truth.
0: Speaking of the domestic war against COVID, do you believe COVID lockdowns are being used as a way to annihilate small business, which is the backbone of the economy, in order to get people dependent on the government?
1: Well, I'm sure there are some people that do that, and the real ringleaders uh, do. They want to do because a, a true Marxist believes that you have to destroy everything. You have to go back to zero and rebuild in a Marxist system. So they would do it deliberately uh, to try to destroy small businesses and big businesses and everything else. Some are probably well-meaning and didn't realize what they were doing was so destructive. I mean, look at how many millions of people just bowed down and and what they've done to our kids. They're all wearing these masks and nobody's ever proven that they ever prevented any disease. So, uh, yes, it's a real uh, tragedy. It's overkill.
0: Is it fair to say that vaccine passports are taking us one step closer to a totalitarian state?
1: No doubt. I absolutely believe that. And I believe that there is a strong motivation of individuals. That's exactly what they want. But some people may rationalize. I've talked to some people who are just uh, progressive in their thinking and think, well, this is good. This is the way we can make sure that a bad person doesn't come to your store. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's it's uh, horrible how easy people be, can be converted to accepting that. But uh, the... Um, passport, uh, you, you know, is, is I think, a, a, a real serious goal that they have been promoting, and they've made a, a lot of progress. But right now, though, there's a reaction to it, and some of the parents are sick and tired of it, and they're, they're standing up against it, and they're going to the meetings. And the one thing that I'm getting a charge out of is the French people, where uh, I thought they would be too complacent. They're not as complacent as we are. Uh, so it is, uh, it, it is something they've been too complacent. But I believe the people are waking up, and I think, you know, uh, in that area, maybe we can reverse a little bit of it. That that problem is is overwhelming, but I think we can reverse a lot of that uh, lockdown stuff easier than we can get monetary reform.
0: All right, we have time for one more submitted question. During your tenure at the House, were the issues of debt and currency debasement ever discussed, and were they even seen as detrimental to the economic well-being of the nation?
1: Not, not, not in an academic way. They, they didn't have a serious uh, a conversation. There were maybe one or two, but uh, that um, that was not in their in their interest a lot of them didn't understand that and they didn't think it was important and the ones who did thought it was necessary because they were all big spender and if you didn't have the facilitator of paying these bills when you didn't want to raise taxes, you know, they they would, uh, uh, they they didn't, they weren't interested in a discussion of this. I, I had one interesting thing happened to me once is uh, we were having a meeting a hearing or something that was going on and this subject came up and I of course talked about gold and all and then uh, afterwards, we had a luncheon that we went to, and I was the congresswoman that was sitting next to me. You know, she wanted to whisper it to me because uh, she was curious. She had listened to the debate and the uh, interview, and she says, oh, and "She says, uh, are we still on the gold standard? <laughs> no, we're not on the gold standard anymore. But uh, that's where it is. They didn't. You know, members of Congress were uh, not too aware of what was going on, let alone uh, the shenanigans." that go on with the fed.
0: Ron, thanks for sharing your insights with us. Please let our viewers know where they can find your work.
1: Okay, well I put on a program every day it's the Ron Paul Liberty Report and it's live streamed at uh, 11 a.m. uh uh every day of the week, 5 days of the week and uh, and we'd love to have them join us and uh that is one way with the Ron Paul Liberty Report, uh, you can reach me.
0: On a final note, if you're interested in purchasing precious metals, or have some questions, Sprott Money's here to help. Just call us at 1-888-861-0775 and we'll be more than happy to answer your questions. Alternatively, you can shop directly online at SprottMoney.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Sprott Money's The Scoop. I hope you found it of value. Please like, share, and subscribe, and see you on October 8th for the next edition.